What's up, everybody? Today is crazy. We are already at episode three of the Builders Project, and here's the key. This episode is about one thing and one thing alone, and that's the life you've always wanted. Uh, welcome to episode two of the Builders Project. Today, um, what I'm going to be doing is something a little bit different, and I'm going to be actually reviewing um, a book that I have read that has made a significant impact on my life. And so for some of you, uh, you're probably one of two people. You either don't like reading books or you also don't like <laughs> listening to books. Um, so uh, I did the work for you. Um, I went and had to read this whole book, took all the notes possible. And what I want to do in this episode is really lay out um, because it answers the question, which is, how do you achieve the life that you've always wanted? Um, and it takes an approach of these uh, spiritual practices that you can do in your own life to be able to obtain what you want to do. So it's, it's not as crazy as you might think, but it is something that uh, you're going to have to look at your life in a different lens. And that's what I want to do here. Um, I'm going to do this in two parts. So uh, you're going to want to stay tuned for the next episode because uh, this episode, I'm going to be going over some shifts that you have to make mentally in order for you to be able to process all this information I'm going to give you. The second step, the second part of this, I'm going to be going into the latter part of the book, which really goes in the details about the spiritual disciplines. Um, so um, I want to say this. If you're listening to this, uh, you might have gone through a season of a lack of hope. Because that's, to be honest, that's where we, a lot of times we find ourselves. We find ourselves not where we want to be financially, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. All these different aspects of our life. And honestly, it creates frustration. I can remember all those times in my life where if I was not there, I either had the mentality that I would never get there or I had the mentality of if only uh, once I get there, then I will be. You know what I mean? Okay. Once I make this much money, then I'm going to be happy. Mm. Once I just get this relationship good, man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fulfilled. Mm. Once I graduate, once I finally graduate college, anything and everything that I imagined is going to be like good. Like if I just get take that last test, whatever I gotta do, or it might not be college, it might be high school, whatever it is, man. If I just once I finally get out of school, once I get out of my parents' house, I'm telling you, my life is going to be so much better. But what's, what's interesting is, I mean, that's just a false mentality. We start that as a kid. Man, once I get out of the house, then I'll be good. Once I graduate, then I'll be good. Then you graduate, then you get out of the house. Oh, man, once I get my apartment... Life's gonna be so good. Oh man, once I graduate college, man, once I once I finish, uh, once I get married to this person, once I finally get my dream job, once I finally start saving up for retirement, once I finally um, uh, retire, once I finally like, and then all of a sudden you get to retirement. Mm. I gotta I gotta share this story. 
I was on a plane about two months ago, and there's this lady, maybe like mid fifties. I want to say she was mid fifties. She had just retired, like probably three years prior. She was a school teacher, had been a school teacher for. I don't know. I think she said about 25 to 30 years. Long, long time. And she starts sharing about her life, all the ins and outs, and um, it gets to the topic where she starts talking about, I asked her the question, hey, like, what's retirement like? Like, I'm just curious. Like, I'm, you know, for me, I'm younger, about half your age. Uh, what's it like? And you know what she said to me? It's boring. She said, I've been waiting my whole life for retirement, and I finally get there, and it's boring. It's not fulfilling. I'd almost rather be doing something instead of nothing. And I feel like I'm not really moving anywhere. And, and, and I, get, I get why we do that. I get why we hope. Right, Because we don't like where we are now, and so what we do is we really give ourselves hope that once I get to that place, then I'll be good. That's what it comes down to, right? You're hoping that once you hit that level, that place, that relationship, that job in life, then everything else will just be good. And this is somebody who's lived the life that a lot of people wish they could live. And you're like, well, she's not a multimillionaire. No, but she's, she's done well for herself. She, lives, she lived on um, a large acre land in beautiful mountain ranges in Tennessee. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, her husband was a retired police officer, so he obviously got a good pension. She's got a good pension. I mean, really... Any average American would be grateful for that kind of retirement, that life, that carefree. And she'd get to that place and she's realized that where, what she thought she would feel and think, it was a lie. But that's just because we give up. We, we're hoping, right? At the end of the day, the reason we do that is because we are hoping that once we get that place, this thing in here and this thing in here, this thing in our head, for those who are listening and not watching, the thing in your mind, this big ball of whatever it is that scientists don't really fully understand, but we're kind of figuring it out, right? This, this brain of ours and our heart. We think that once we get to that place, we'll be good, but unless we can transform our mind... Romans 12, 2 said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And also, we can change our heart. And that's really where this, this book opens up. Here's what's interesting. Um, disappointment in our life comes from failing to be the person that God had in mind before I lived. The disappointments that we face in life comes from the idea that whoever God, whatever the person that God had in his mind, um, we're not being that person. I mean, come on, like, 
let's be honest here. The we 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 talk about haters a lot, man. This I got a hate parade. All these people hating on me. All this yada yada yada. Right? Haters, haters, haters. <clears throat> you ain't gotta worry about other haters because the person that hates you the most is you. You you don't have to worry about all these external things that are happening to your life because the thing that's driving you into the ground is your own self, is your own mind, is your own thoughts about yourself. Because um, not only do we think we're failing to be the person that God wants us to be, but we're even failing to be the person that we want to be. And so most of us are stuck in this pendulum of, I definitely know I'm not doing God's will. I'm definitely not walking in his purpose. I'm definitely not walking in obedience to him. And then there's the other side of us that is um, even the ideas that I had for myself, I'm not accomplishing. And here's the thing. You might even be living your life, and you might even be maybe being successful in a bunch of these different areas, but yeah, you, you might be successful in your business, but your marriage is falling apart. Or you might even be successful in your relationships, but you're not taking care of your finances. Or you might even be successful in your finances, but the truth is you haven't really been focusing on your personal health and you have health issues. And so what I'm talking about here, um, I'm talking about a holistic way of living now, holistic, not in terms of diet, but in terms of your life. Like, holistic, it's not just one area of life, it's everything. And what we need to do is we need to shift the mentality. The reason there's so much confusion is because we think we can find the answers in relationships. We think we can find the answers in finances, in retirement, in careers, all of these different aspects, even learning new skills, joining new hobbies, getting a whole new group of friends, all of these different things. But unless we can get this one thing, everything else won't make sense. The, this one thing, if, if, if you can understand this, you can start propelling your life forward. If you would just shift this one area of life, just one area, just one, one area of life, and the rest of your life will begin to change. Because here's what I know, is growing spiritually, because I promise you, if you focus on your spiritual health, the rest will fall into place. There'll be ups and downs. There'll be a lot of baggage. There'll be, it'll be messy, but you'll start moving in the right direction. This is it. Growing spiritually means living, perceiving, thinking, feeling, and doing what Jesus would do. Growing spiritually means living, perceiving, thinking, feeling, in doing what Jesus would do. So, living a spiritual life is referencing every single aspect and facet holistically from God's perspective. You want to know why you don't feel 
hope in your relationship because the relationship is your hope. And if the relationship is your hope, it's going to fail you. Don't believe me? If anyone's been married for any period of time, they will know really, 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 really quick that 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 person that they thought would be able to complete them, they're the source of the pain. The reason that your job causes you so much pain is because you hope in your job. You hope you hope in your career. And if you live long enough, you'll realize you'll deal with garbage people, which will treat you the cer- certain kind of way. You'll deal with financial hardships. You'll deal with all these kinds of things. But but here's here's what I want to say is the possibility of transformation is the essence of hope. And, and I'm, this is not about to be some sort of name it and claim it thing. Absolutely not. Bad theology, okay? But the possibility of transformation is the essence of hope. If you don't hope that you can transform and you can change, you're not going to change. Because why would you start changing if you don't think you can change? Why would you start transforming if you don't think you can transform? Why would you start adjusting your life to look at life through God's perspective if you don't think it's even going to work? And let me tell you something. That, that is something that I faced a long, 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 long time. So my parents got divorced when I was about four years old, five years old. My mom took me and my siblings to uh, New York. So I was born in Los Angeles, California, raised there, took a trip to New York. And um, we get there. My mom's trying to figure everything out because, you know, single mom, four kids. It's me and three other siblings, sister and two brothers. She gets there. Uh, she actually moved in. My mom's, my mom's mom, my real grandma, blood grandma, passed away when she was very young. And so she ended up getting adopted when she was a teenager. So she moved into our adopted uh, mom's house, which is, I call, that, that's fa- that family's family. Um, but a year or two later, she met my stepfather. And uh, things went quick. And eventually, we found ourselves living in this, uh, this guy's house. Um, and the thing about him is he was a retired drill instructor. And so you can imagine that uh, he treated the household like a retired drill instructor. I mean, craziness from getting the electricity shut off, from the water getting, like, you know, like, when you, you these board games, like, not Monopoly, but, like, these time-gamed or whatever, they put, like, those little, like, sand timers, you know what I mean? Like, you flip it, it gives you a minute. You flip it, it gives you another minute. Like, what we would have to do for showers, it was, like, a whole strategy. So we had a, a – so basically we had two minutes. So sand timer, sand timer, right? So flip, flip. But the thing was, um, it wasn't when uh, the water got hot. It was just when the water got turned on. So you had to have this crazy strategy of basically turning the water on – 
getting jumping in the freezing cold water to get your body off. Um, once it got warm, then you turned it off and then put some soap on, start scrubbing your whole body, getting the soap going because the timer would stop when you turn the water off. You'd finish scrubbing off, and then you turn the water on. It would get cold again. You get sl- <laughs> you get slapped in the face with the water, <laughs> with the freezing. It would get hot again, and then you would just try and literally wash off as fast as you can, hair, bodies, whatever. And many, many, many times when, uh, let's just say, we would not successfully finish uh, showering, and the water would get turned off mid-shower. With soap in your eyes, you're frustrated, you're angry, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, and so I don't want to bring up all that. Um, I can go into that another time. But here's what, what the hardest part by far. If you had to say, hey, man, what David, what was the hardest part of your childhood by far? It was the negative things that was told about me, which I ended up believing. That by far for me was the most difficult because all anything that I had an idea for what my life was going to be, what was told to me was the exact opposite of what would happen. So if I wanted to be a major league baseball player, don't worry, you're going to fail. You never, you're not good enough. You'll never be successful at that. Oh, you think you want to join the military? You're not tough enough for that. You're not going to be able to make it through the military training. Oh, you, you said you want to run a business? Oh, you think you want to make a bunch of money? You're not cut up for that. You're not smart enough. There's no way you're going to be successful in that. Does that sound familiar? I know I'm telling my story here, but um, some of you have been told that your whole life. And so when I'm talking about transforming your life, the reason you're having difficulty even perceiving that idea is because you're so broken down by the words that you've said. Not only that have been said to you, but here's what happens. That outside voice, that outer voice, exterior voice, the things that are happening in the environment, those environmental voices are eventually going to manipulate you. And so although it might start with somebody saying something negative against you that you may or may not believe, but said over and over and over again, before you know it, you start to believe it. And before you know, it doesn't become a thing that was told to you. It becomes a thing that you possess. It becomes a part of your identity. So no longer are you somebody that is going to fail. You're a failure. Not only are you somebody that's going to lose in life, you're a loser. Not only you are somebody that is maybe putting on a couple extra pounds, you're gaining some weight, but you're fat. And don't get me wrong, like there are some things that we are that we need to address, but most of the time these things that we, we overpaint the negativity, uh, I'll call it the glass half empty. Uh, we don't realize the half full and we focus on the half empty. And so, I mean, my entire childhood, there was not a single thing that you could tell me that I have not been told in terms of a negative, detrimental slur, or any single dream that I have vocalized that I was not told would not come into existence. And, you know, you even look back on your own life, and you can say, man, I failed at this, I failed at this, I failed at this, I failed at this. But let me say this. If God can transform a frail, scared little boy named David... He can transform you too. If Jesus could take me 
the most cynical, the most angry, the most depressed, and make beauty out of it, how much more can he do that for your life? And this is not not me. We're not comparing our struggles together because you're, the things that you've gone through are totally unique to you. Totally unique to you. But don't let your story be the end. I remember actually it was a shift in perspective. This is actually when I started getting hope. Um, back in my day when I was like 20 years old, my dream was to be a motivational speaker. And the reason for that was because my life, my perspective shifted when I heard, uh, when I heard a, a, I watched a video. I remember I was, 19, I think I was 19, 19 years old. I was still dealing with the aftermath of the negative, all the negative things I thought about myself. And I remember uh, watching this video, this guy named Les Brown. Les, if you hear this, I love you. You're amazing. Um, incredible work. Um, incredible work. He's still doing it to this day. This man is like 80 years old, and he's still putting out motivational content, inspirational stuff. But uh, I remember I, I was going, it was on my YouTube feed, and the, the video was, your dreams are possible. And I'm 19 years old, right? So I'm like, this is going to be the dumbest video that I've ever seen in my life. It's going to be so corny and trash. <laughs> Literally, that's what I'm thinking. But I was like, whatever. Let me just click it. It's 30 minutes long. I'll probably watch like 15 seconds, and then I turn it off. And I started watching this video, and 15 seconds turned into 30. 30 turned into 45. 45 seconds turned into minutes and minutes and minutes. And before you know it, I'm like 20 minutes into this video. And mind you, I'm 19. I have the intention span of a squirrel. And I'm just captivated by this man's words. He spoke with so much conviction and confidence about his life. But he said this one thing. Um, and this one thing, I don't know what it did, but like my brain was wired and manipulated to think a certain way. And he said this one thing. He said, someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And I think a lot of us stand in those two categories. Some of you are caught up into that category of, I still believe what my parents told me. I still believe what my coach told me. I still believe what my teachers told me. Some of us are still there. And then most of us go to the next part, which is, I believe it because I say it about myself. I'm the reason now. Because now this is what I'm identifying as. This is what I'm saying about myself. This is who I am. As soon as we lose hope, the possibility of transformation is done. And so what I want to what say here is the reason you feel defeated, the reason you feel like you cannot build your life anymore is because you've been looking towards the wrong source. Jesus said, I believe in Matthew 11, come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. 
You need rest. You don't need to achieve. You don't need to do more. You need to rest. Your soul needs rest. And some of you are listening, you might be in your car. You might be about to walk into work. You might be on the way home. You might be at home. Whatever that, whatever that looks like, all of these things are swirling around you in the, in the background environment and trying to tell you you cannot rest. You have to keep going. And would you just pause? If you would just pause for one second. You need to rest. And so the essence of hope right now for you is you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Because, because and, and the author goes into the chapter 2. Right, so chapter one, the hope of spiritual transformation, hope of transformation. Chapter two is the goal of the spiritual life. But here's the thing: if you don't change from the inside out, you will always look externally to set yourself apart. You always will. If the change doesn't come from your soul, you're always going to look outward to provide something inward. When the only thing that can help you is from the inside out. So what, what the, the reason that Jesus gives us hope is because he saved us from our mistakes. He saved us from our sin. If we come to and humble ourselves in repentance, his word says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. And in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the idea is Jesus, when we were making the mistakes, in Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we, were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because what that does, that wipes us all clean. And in Romans 8, it talks about because of Jesus' sacrifice and the transformation of our lives, we are now sons and daughters of the living God, and we can cry out, Abba, Father. We have a personal relationship with God. And so what I, that, why I started that was you need rest for your souls is because you're trying to find rest from your job and rest from your relationship and rest from your anxieties, but you don't even have the source of rest. Jesus said, come to the living water. Will you will drink and not be thirsty? Jesus is the living water to provide the hope that you need to do. And he's not going to transform you externally. He's going to transform you, transform you internally first. Let me say this, spiritual contentment, contentment in Jesus is what you are looking for. There is nothing more powerful than not having accomplished anything, but because your soul is right, you found rest for your soul. If you die today, you'd be okay. I mean, this is my third podcast I'm making. Number three. That's it, number three. If I died today without putting out a single other episode, as I'm recording this, I have literally five subscribers on YouTube. A couple listens on podcast. I've just started this. I would be okay. 
because I found rest and I found hope in Jesus. And the reason you have been struggling for such a long time and you've lost hope is because you're trying to change the inside from the outside, and that's just not how it works. It's just not how it works. And so what, what happens is we, we try this thing called pseudo-transformation. So pseudo-transformation is when, we, when highly superficial and vis- visible boundary markers distinguish yourself. That's what that means. Okay, what, what does that look like? Uh, you are an incredibly insecure, so you want to fill that insecurity and discontentment with a nice car. Or you're dissatisfied with the way that your life is right now, so you decide to go into massive amounts of debt to be able to look like you're actually living a life that you're not really living. Or you decide to sleep around with a bunch of other people thinking that you, if you just fulfill these sexual desires, well, now you're going to be totally fine. And so we create this superficial level of success. What is it called? The Joneses? We're trying to impress the Joneses, but nobody's impressed. Even yourself isn't impressed. You get back home, you're still dealing with the same things. You don't believe me? Go buy a new car today. Terrible financial advice. Don't buy a new car today. But let's say you did, and you bought a new car today. Right now, you went to the dealership. Maybe buy a new BMW. What about Mercedes? Mm, I heard them Ferraris are nice, too. A little more expensive. Or a lot more expensive. Probably about six times more expensive. But hey, go to the dealership, buy a new car. Feel how happy you feel? Give it two weeks. Go buy a new outfit. Man, you're going to feel so good walking out of there, putting it for the first time. Give it a month. Oh, man, just get married to that person. Mm. Give it a year. The things that you are dealing internally, are, it will never be fixed by things that you're dealing with. Or, I'm sorry, the things that you're dealing with externally and internally will never be fixed by the external. Because we have external issues and we have internal issues. And those external issues will only be fixed. And those internal issues will only be fixed by dealing with the internal. And so you trying to put on this show, and come on, we live in a social media world. Just go on social media. Nobody shows the worst part of themselves. Man, I'm trying to, what was that like? There was a story years ago. It was this guy who, I mean, he, he thought he had the perfect life, made plenty of money, had th- two or three beautiful children, beautiful wife, and they had posted, you know, a perfect family portrait, and then like two months later, the guy literally murders his wife and his children. He's in prison now. I wish I could remember the story. He ended up hiding their bodies in like some industrial facility. Don't believe everything you see. It's called pseudo-transformation. It's not real. It's fake. And I promise you, those people are still dealing with the same exact things that you're dealing with. Actually, I'll say this. They're probably dealing with it at a higher level because they're seeking social media in order to give them validation. If I wasn't doing a podcast, I would not exist on social media. I cannot. Like, I no offense. I just can't stand it. 
The only thing I like to do is I have a I have a personal Facebook that I like keeping up, you know, with my friends and family members, seeing how they're doing. But even then, Facebook isn't really Facebook anymore. It's more just scrolling through reels. Um, but it's not real. But here's here's what here's what happens um, when we try and do this pseudo transformation. We become inauthentic. It's not really you. We become judgmental. Right, because well, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing so good, and these people, all these peasants over here, man, you're driving that 1990 Geo, whatever. By the way, that's <laughs> that's like the ugliest car. I remember I was a, uh, well, I think I was like 17 years old, 18 years old. I had purchased uh, my first ever motorcycle. So proud of myself, my little 250cc Kawasaki Ninja 250, <laughs> and. And uh, I went to go sell my exhaust because I had bought a new exhaust, wanted to sell it. And this dude pull up in this, like, 1999 Geo Metro or something like that. It was probably the ugliest car that I've ever seen in my life. And you know what's funny? I was being judgmental of him. Man, look at this guy rolling up in this stupid car. I I think I talked to somebody about it, making fun of this dude. But you know what that's a reflection of? My insecurities. That's a reflection of my issues going on internally. The reason I bought a motorcycle was because I was trying to put some type of thing for people to see, but that wasn't a real me. Approachability. Pride, right? You get this idea that you're all this because of all these things, and before you know it, people aren't, don't even feel comfortable talking to you anymore. Um, you start growing weary of spiritual growth. If you start putting your trust in these external things, you're not even going to see the value in growing spiritually. You also start doing like superficial measurements. Once I get this car, once I get this house, once I have this much money in my bank account, that don't mean nothing for your soul. That don't mean nothing for your heart. That doesn't mean anything for your mind. None of that equates to success. And then, so... So this is where we have to dial back at the end. Growing in love for God and others is the only measure of spiritual growth. And actually, I'll say this. Growing in love for God and others is the only measure of true success. The only measure. Let's put it this way. If you landed the job of your dreams, but you died tomorrow, what would that matter? Mm. If you landed the job of your dreams and you died in 40 years, what would that ultimately matter? Because what I realized... C.T. Sud has this quote, and I believe it goes like this. Only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The only thing that will matter in your life eternally is what you did for Jesus and how you loved others. That's it. How did you love Jesus and serve him, and how did you love and serve others? That's true success. 
And until we start measuring it in that light, we're never going to be able to figure it out. And I actually, I want to pull out my Bible real quick because last week we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And in the same chapter, Paul actually talks about rewards. It's interesting. Chapter 3. In verse 12, right? So verse 11 is no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only foundation. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, mm, relationships, jobs, careers, family. Oh, family include, is included in that too. You can... You're going to base your life off family? Good luck with that. They get, they get messy in family. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. In other words, only what you do for Jesus will last for eternity. So I know people will say, no, 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 no. If you do good in your career and your job and all these other aspects, that is true success. But in the eternal's perspective, that means nothing. Now, here's what's beautiful. We talked about earlier that the facets of life is, is spiritual. A spiritual life is a reference to every facet of life from God's perspective. So here's what's cool is you can work in your current job and do things for Jesus. You can work in your current situation, in, in your current marriage, in your current relationships, and, and serve God, love God, and love others. You can still do that, and that's going to be a true measurement. So I don't want you to think that what I'm saying is you got to stop what you're doing and do ministry. No, 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 no. Because real ministry is Ephesians 4, equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. The work of ministry is the congregation, is the, is the believers, the body of Christ. That's, like, that's what it's about. And so I, I just want to make that real clear, is, is if you're, and, and I know it's talking about spiritual success, but I don't care about that. It, success in every area of life, if it's not founded on Jesus, ultimately it's worth nothing in the long haul. It's worth nothing in the long haul. When I was younger, I wanted to be a motivational speaker. You know why I gave that up? I was uh, speaking to kids on mental health. Kids, I even did a couple, you know, little small events here and there, adults. But I was talking about mental health. And what I realized is, so what if I help them with their mental health, but they don't know Jesus and they're separated him from all eternity. What am I going to answer to God about that? I helped someone deal with depression, but I didn't help somebody with their soul. And I ended up quitting. Because I realized, not that I didn't believe in the message that I was saying, but I didn't give them the whole message because I couldn't. You can't go into these secular schools and preach Jesus. You'll get thrown out. And so I stopped. And it's funny, years later, here I am now doing the same thing, but doing it for God. 
And now there's obviously people in the motivational field that are that are still have that spiritual background and still will weave in their 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 love for Jesus, their love for God in the best way that they can without being overbearing. But when you start looking at your life from God's perspective, only then will you be able to start transforming. So growing in love for God and the others is the only true measure of success and the only true measure of growth. That is success because that will give you rest for your soul. And I was going to go a little bit longer because, you know, uh, we had chapter three to go over, but I just want to sit there. I just, I just want to sit there. If, if you guys can understand these, these perspectives, let, let me say these, these, these points. Disappointment comes from failing to be the person God had in mind before you lived. That's disappointment. And even the, the person you think of yourself. Growing spiritually th- means living, perceiving, thinking, feeling, and doing what Jesus would do. That's, what, that's, that's growing spiritually. Everything that you think or do or perceive or feel is in the context of what would Jesus do. A spiritual life is looking at every aspect of your life from God's perspective. And the possibility of transformation is the answers of hope. If you don't have hope, you're not going to be able to transform. Now, where is your hope? It needs to be Jesus. And then chapter two, if you don't change from the inside out, you will look externally to set yourself apart. If it doesn't come from the inside, you'll seek external pseudo-transformation, which is highly superficial, invisible boundaries, which makes yourself look better and more special. But that creates an inauthentic, judgmental, unapproachable, spiritual lax, superficial measurement person. True success is loving and serving Jesus and loving others. And if you can grow in that, it doesn't matter where you are at, you are, in, you are successful. Because that means you're walking in God's will. Thank you for listening to episode two of The Builder's Project. My name is David Narvaez, but as you all know, it's not about David. All about Jesus. See you all in two weeks.